So I had three sermons I wanted to preach this morning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach none of them. Instead, I, I want to I look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to pull out a few different verses. The title is going to stay the same. Faith for the fight. As we consider what it takes to carry this gospel to the world, it, it, it mandates a fight. We, we shouldn't be, we, there is a God who lives, who created all things, who came in the form of flesh, who died and rose from the dead. There is that God, his name is Jesus. There's also a devil who loves the disorder and the disarray and the chaos and the panic and the hatred and the murder and the strife. He loves that and he just wants to continue to see that. So it'd be foolish to think that we could go out to the world and we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and that salvation's available for us and think that we're going to be able to do it without any sort of fight. And so as we continue in this Faith for Life series, this is Faith for the Fight. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2, and I'm going to read a, a, a series of scriptures. So let me just pray here at the beginning. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the brief time we have today, I ask that you would ignite our hearts with a passion for the lost, that you would ignite our hearts with a passion to fight for, for our families, that you would ignite our fight to fight for our friends, that you would ignite in our hearts a willingness, a passion, a desire, and a fire to fight for the freedom that you have for us as individuals in your name. Amen. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, you see the people of Israel being confronted, or really the people of Judah, confronted, the, the, the Hebrew people confronted with a battle. And in this battle, I'm going I'm to walk you through this process, and we're going to participate in this process today. But it's how we can fight. It's how we can stir our faith to fight the good fight of faith that we have to fight to both win the community and to win in our own lives. It's that they first saw, then they were strengthened, then they stood, and then they sang. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, Verses 2 and 3, it says this. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He heard the bad news. Has anybody heard the bad news? Has anybody been a little bit overwhelmed by the bad news? Maybe it's the bad news of the economy. Maybe it's the bad news of politics. Maybe it's the bad news in your job. Maybe it's the bad news of that promotion you thought you were going to get. Maybe it's the bad news of cancer or some other sickness. Maybe it's the bad news of a stroke or the death of a a loved one. Maybe the bad news is just, it could be any kind of thing, but things are pressing in and you're hearing the bad news and it wants to destroy your soul. What it wants to do is provoke fear in your soul so that you're paralyzed and you can't move. And so he had fear. He saw it. He heard about it. This report came. You're going to die. you got three enemies coming after you at the same time. You don't have a chance. And I think some of us have been hearing that voice this week saying, you don't have a chance. You're not going to make it. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to ever be holy. You're not ever going to live pure. You're not ever going to be able to stand for righteousness. God's never going to accept you. God's never going to love you. You're never going to love God the way that he's called you to love. You're never going to walk into the destiny that he's called you to. Some of us have been hearing that lie on repeat, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, maybe for years. 
He experienced this fear, and his first response was to seek God. He set his face to seek the Lord. It's this amazing thing. He set his face to seek the Lord. Now, an extraordinary thing happens when you turn your head, your body follows. When I ran cross country in my freshman year, I, I, I was getting in the races, but I loved seeing who I was in front of. Because I, I was a slow starter. So I'd start slow and then I'd just pass people the whole race, which isn't a good strategy. It's just the one I chose. <laughs> but as, I, as, I, as I'd be running, I'm kind of like, I, I had a sense of how many people were in front of me, but I really liked seeing how many people were behind me. And I would turn. And then one time my coach was like, you're messing up your times, David. When you turn your head, you turn your body. And you're wasting your energy. And you're, so, so what I learned from that is where you're putting your head, that's where your body's going. And so what he does is he turns his face. He seeks the Lord. He turns to seek the Lord. And when he turned to seek the Lord, his body sought the Lord. And his soul sought the Lord. And everything in him began to come after the Lord. Because that's the direction that his face went and his body went with it. So he sought the Lord. And then he strengthened himself. In Second Chronicles 20, verses 6 and 7. It says, uh, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, verse 6, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? God, didn't you do this? Is this not outside of your ability to do again? Family, he strengthened himself, not in who he was or what his gifts were or what his abilities were. He strengthened himself in what God's ability was and what his track record had been. See, we've got this track record called the Bible that chronicles, even if you've never had any victory at all in your life over any little thing, even if God has never blessed or touched or provided for you, which he has, but even if he hasn't, even if you've never experienced a touch of the grace of God, we have a, a Bible that chronicles the faithfulness of God throughout history. From the beginning of creation to the end of time, we get to see what the faithfulness of God looks like and how consistent and faithful and loving and gracious and righteous he is through all of this. And so if you need help strengthening yourself, you can remember the things that God has done in your own life and you can testify about that time. That, he, that, that For me, it's when I, I was healed of viral meningitis in 2007. For me, it's when we paid off a huge IRS debt and God came through in a big way. Side note, he did it by bringing in unexpected money but also eating rice and beans. Okay, And there's nothing wrong with rice and beans. I, I love rice and beans. But sometimes it's a financial decision. And sometimes it's a flavor decision. <laughs> when you're doing it lots of times a week, it's a financial decision. So I can go back to these times. I can remember, I can remember when my child was healed of allergies in like a moment. And we were able to take her off some medicine with, under the doctor's guidance and take her off some medicine. And she never had another allergic reaction. We've had some things that I can look at and I can go, man, God was faithful there. But before I had those testimonies of my own, what I had was some testimonies from my parents. What I had was some testimonies that I had heard from Pastor Brett Fuller. What I had was some testimonies from J.C. Sherrod and Keith Temple about the faithfulness of God in their life. 
I haven't had a broken marriage, but I know people who have recovered from a broken marriage by the grace of God. And so I can't go, man, I God, I remember when you broke my marriage, so you're certainly going to fix this fight. But I'm like, you know what? You fixed that broken marriage, so there's more than enough grace for this fight. Amen. Did Pastor just imply that he did fights with his wife? <laughs> man, no. I fight with myself. That's really where the fight is. We were in like a, like we were having a little difficult time really last week or two weeks ago. I don't know, Keith, I called you. Um, we, were having, we were having a difficult time, but this was the difficult time. It was all in me. You're like, nothing could go right. I'd apologize and it would go south. I'm like, I don't, this is, this is the devil. And it's, no, it was me. It was my flesh. It was, it was, I was just a mess, right? And I'm like, you know what? This is not okay. And God is faithful, and I know he can heal marriage. And, and not like it was fractured. It was just I was grumpy and just couldn't. I was grumpy. I was, and so I call Keith. I'm like, hey, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I need you to pray for me because I'm breaking my marriage. <laughs> and we're good, but we're, it's bad. So pray for a brother. And he prayed over me. He said, climb back on your cross. And it was like, ooh. The thing I had been avoiding doing, you mean do that? <laughs> you know, it's against my apologies. We're like, I'm, I'm really sorry. It's just that you were doing that thing. And it just really, it's really, I'm sorry because it's your fault. Really is what I'm trying for you to understand here. Or it's like, I'd apologize and she'd be like, oh good, because this. I'm like, no, no, no. That was apologize. We are, the apology lives here. I'm not sorry about that. That was right. It was as right as this is. <laughs> so I went home after he prayed for me. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was over. Because it broke in my heart in the car when I called and got that help. So anyway, we all need that. But I was strengthened. I'm, all, I'm constantly strengthened. That, that I'm strengthened by other people's testimonies. I'm strengthened by my own testimonies. I'm strengthened by your stories. I'm strengthened by the stories that I see in Scripture. And then he makes this decision, being strengthened in the Lord. He makes this, this uh, awesome decision. He hears from God, and um, they stand before the Lord with their wives and with their children. Lesson there, we need to do this as a family. As much as I changed the lyrics to me and I for that song, that was for a moment. I'm not changing the lyrics forever. The us is really good, and we need to understand that in the Western world. We need to accept that it's not just about me. It's about us, and God died for all of us, and his love is for all of us, and his grace is for all of us. And a lot of those things we learn about through one another, which is why he's given us each other. So they're there with their little ones, their wives and their children, and we ought to bring our wives and our children into our, our spiritual life and, and shepherd them and disciple them and what it looks like to walk with God. And the Spirit of the Lord came on these people, and this message came to them. He says, you will not need to fight this battle, in verse 17. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Stand firm. You heard the testimony. You heard the lie. You saw the things coming at you. You strengthen yourself in the Lord and you remember his good thing, the good things that he's done. You remember the promises that he intends to fulfill and he's currently fulfilling. We just haven't experienced the fullness of it yet. We, we strengthen ourselves in that. And then you nail your foot to the floor and you stand. I'm going to stand. 
But he wasn't saying stand alone. It was a command to the group of people. So he's standing with the group of people. He's standing with his wives and their children. He's standing with the other warriors, standing with their friends, standing with their brothers and fathers and sons and daughters, standing together as a force. And so as they stand, the word of the Lord comes to them even further. And he's like, hey, um, I've got some news. And it's selection day. There's a selection. There's another S. That'll be point three and a half. The selection chose the people they were going to fight with. They chose their weapon of war. They weren't going to use battle axes this time. They weren't going to use chariots. They weren't going to use horses. They weren't going to use swords. They weren't going to use spears. This time, they were going to use their voices. They were going to sing. (laughs) Can you imagine going out to battle to sing? I want to illustrate something real quick. Andrew, come up here with me. (laughs) Got called to class. I'll make you the enemy just for that. Pastor June, can you come up here too? You don't have to sing. Oh, we could do the whole thing. Back to the standing firm. This amazing thing happens. It says, stand, hold your position and see the salvation. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Now we need to understand, Andrew, you're the enemy. June, you're the Lord. Congratulations. <laughs> tell your wife. You can tell your wife. <laughs> this is Pastor June. He leads the Korean congregation in our Chantilly location. He's going to be with us a little bit this summer, so keep, keep your eye out. Um, it says, stand firm and the Lord will be with you. Now, this is how we need to understand the Lord being with us. And I think sometimes we make it really ambiguous and kind of like, oh, he's with me in heaven. He's like with me in his thoughts. The way my friends are with me when, they, when their thoughts and their prayers are with me. It's like right then in that moment. While they wrote it, they thought about me. It's like, I appreciate you thinking about me. I'd rather you send me some money. Like, thanks for the thought. How about a sandwich? Right? So it says, stand and be firm and the Lord will be with you. Now, this is how we need to understand the Lord being against us. We've got this foe. We've got this enemy. But the Lord is, is literally, he's with us. Family, when, when we receive Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit fills us up, we don't go anywhere without the Lord. We just forget about it. We live like this. And then we, we confront our enemies like this, like, oh, my goodness, I'm terrified because he's mean. That's how we live. But what, the, what we know is that the Lord is with us. So where, where I go when I'm walking with Jesus, the Lord is with me. And so all of a sudden, I'm not so intimidated by Andrew. <laughs> I should have called Ken Harvey up. I need, a, I, need a, <laughs> I need a new volunteer, a bigger, meaner looking person. Andrew's going to hospitality me to death. (laughs) He's just going to lead me to Jesus is what he's going to (laughs) do. He's too eager to pray and reconcile. (laughs) He's got the Holy Spirit living in him. But the Lord will go with him, and they can walk with the confidence. There we go. Mm. 
You go with the confidence of knowing that the Lord is with you. Family, we ought to have this kind of confidence that where, where we're going when we're in Christ, we're going in him, like inside of him. So where we go, the Holy Spirit is going with us like a best friend, like a, like a, like a, <laughs> well, I'll leave it a best friend. <laughs> so like a best friend, the Holy Spirit's going to go with them. What kind of confidence do you have when somebody bigger, stronger, more powerful than you is standing with you? What kind of confidence can we walk in if we know that the Lord is the one who stands with us in every circumstance? When you go into that interview, when you go in for that hard conversation, when you, when you go into that classroom environment, when you go to confront somebody about uh, a difficulty in a relationship, when you have that difficult conversation with your spouse, that the Lord is with you. And it also changes your language when you understand that the Lord is with them too when they're in Jesus. And what's great is what happens when the Lord is with you too is the Lord acts as the mediator between us. And then what ends up happening is I surrender because the Lord's directing my heart because he's with me. And Andrew's heart is also surrendered to the Lord. And then reconciliation can occur. Okay? So thank you. Thank you. Make a good Lord. Um, can the worship team come up? I want to, I want to, we're going to do something today. And, um, the last thing that happens is they, they make this selection and they, and he selects the, the worshipers and he's like, we're going to send out the worshipers and, and they're going to be the ones who fight. And there's some battles that you've been trying to fight with your skill. You've been trying to fight with the relationships that you have on this earth. There are some things that you've been trying to fight with medicine. You've been trying to fight in your, uh, with your, your own strengths. You've been trying to fight it according to your own methods and what's worked in the past. But you're up against an enemy that you haven't been able to overcome because it's not an enemy that, that is, is designed to be overcome in that way. I do believe by the Spirit of God that right now what we have is an opportunity to tear down uh, some walls in in our worship, and so we're going to sing a song. But this is this is a song. This is a this is a song of battle. I don't even know what song we're going to do. It doesn't even matter what song we do, because <laughs> all they say they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast endures forever. You know what? Go ahead and stand to your feet, and then we'll do the song. But this is what happened when they sang. It says, And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, who came against Judah, so that, when they, so that they were routed. That means they were defeated. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them, devoting them to the destruction. And when they had made an, an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy each other. They started worshiping and all these enemies that were coming after them destroyed each other. Because when they started to worship, God moved on their behalf and he tore down the walls and he's like, you're going to mess each other up because there's freedom that you can't get for yourself. So what I want to do is I want to just say this with me. Take, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus, Jesus, you silence me. 